I'm Laura Zach. I'm Brittany Ashley. And this is Sicker Sadder World, a podcast where we rewatch episodes of Daria and relate it to our current world. Are you ready to get mental in the morning? Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. Cool. That sounds chill. It's actually 10 p.m. at night, but it feels like 1 a.m. Is it really 10? Yeah. Wow. This day has flown. I've done so many things today. I actually didn't fly. I I, I take that back. It it, ha- it was multifaceted. Mm, tell me about yours. I went to the Me Too slash Take Back the Workplace March in Hollywood this morning, which I have a lot of constructive criticism about the organization of it. Like, for example, the march got a permit, supposedly, but we still, for whatever reason, were required to stay on the sidewalks. And the enforcement of keeping us on the sidewalks was entirely by police officers like rolling next to us in their car. And they were all men like yelling through a megaphone about how we needed to stay on the sidewalk. And it's like, isn't this a little bit antithetical to the spirit of what we're trying to do here? <laughs> yeah. Also, it's the the first march in the last year in L.A. that hasn't like been on the street. So that was confusing. That is confusing. Um, but it was, it was, you know, I always enjoy being among the people Mm. using my voice by the people for the people. Exactly. And, uh, you know, there's been, this week's been pretty rough in terms of allegations continuing to come out. And so I needed to have something to do. Nice. Yeah. And then I went and, you know, saw a friend in Venice and uh, ate some eclairs and uh, got my flirt on. And uh, now I'm here. I won't be telling you more about that other part. I just wanted to pepper it in with intrigue. Nice. How about you? How was your day? My day was good um, in preparation for my show, which is tomorrow, but okay, when this yesterday. comes out, it'll be yesterday. Congrats, Brittany. You did it <laughs> when you. you're listening to this on Tuesday. Right. So the show that I'm in at Groundlings, it's like a horror comedy on stage. Um, so prepping for that. And then I had my last day at this wine bar that I worked at for a couple months to try and regain my sanity. It was my last day. How did it feel? You know, I never really felt like it was home there. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I've, I was only there for a couple months, but, you know, sometimes you leave a place and it's like, man, I'm really going to miss this place. And I felt like leaving there, I was like, oh, I'll probably like come back to buy wine. But it's like no biggie. It was just a, I was a mere tourist in the right, grand right, right. scope of this place. Mm-hmm. And, um, Yeah. I learned a little more about wine, which is always annoying. (laughs) That's always something that you don't want to be too knowledgeable about. Well, something that I realized today, actually, is that most of my life I've tried to gain knowledge into worlds that are primarily, primarily those subjects where men always try and tell you the facts about something. Like when I was a child... I would read sports biographies. Like those were the only books that I read for like a year because I wanted to be able to say, like I wanted to be able to say facts about these worlds that were so male dominated 
so that I could be like the smart one. And now it's lovely. I mean, I've, I've known about wine for years, but, but I think having more knowledge in a world where so many men try and like correct you and tell you what something is, is like, it's cool to have that knowledge to be like, well, ac- me, well, actually, I, I love to well, actually men. Does that make sense? It completely makes sense. So that's been your motivation to learn about wine? You know, I wouldn't say it's my motivation, but it's definitely something that kickstarts it a little more than just the basis of of my desire for knowledge. Yeah, that's interesting. I guess I never thought about wine expertise as being gendered, but I guess any... <laughs> hey, I didn't either until until you go... when you like When you think about just like booze in general, I mean, that's so male-dominated. I mean... The most like kick-ass bartenders I know are women, and but but when you go, I, there's so many times I've gone to a bar or I've gone into a wine store, I've gone into like a beer shop, and they just assume that you don't know what you want, and then they try and correct you when you do know what you want, and it's like, yo, I can be an alcoholic too. Like it's not gendered, but like I can imbibe the spirits and know what I'm talking about, but I feel like booze for whatever reason maybe because it's like a romanticized you know golden era of like Hemingway getting drunk maybe that's why men believe that alcohol is a male thing you know to circle back I like having that knowledge so that I can make men feel like I don't need their knowledge because I have my own mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah I get it me too La 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 Episode 9, Jacob Jake ha- of Hearts. J- Jacob Hearts. Not to be confused with uh, literally anything of Hearts. <laughs> Definitely not to be confused with Three of Hearts. <laughs> You're so crazy. Jack of Hearts. I am fucking popping off. I don't even know. No promises what I'm going to say or not. Get a couple glasses of white wine in me and I am feeling like I'm feeling like jazz DJ crazy you're feeling like morning Laura crazy DJ morning Laura DJ we uh my dad discovered iTunes like two years ago your dad invented iTunes (laughs) a few years ago (laughs) yeah and he he thinks he doesn't listen to this it's fine he thinks that uh, that kind of makes him a DJ. Like he made like a playlist for his, like one of my parents' friends' weddings mm-hmm. and therefore like <laughs> refers to himself as a DJ. And my dad's name is Michael. And so his DJ name is DJ Mikey DJ. Wow. So uh, DJ Mikey DJ and DJ Morning Laura, 
here to deliver some news about Jake and his heart. My dad hits Pandora pretty hard. Oh, yeah? Ads or no ads? Ads. Oh, yeah. Who's, you know, you don't want to budget that. You don't want to budget that in. I mean, I paid $10 a month for Spotify. Me too. I, 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 like, even in my, the toughest of times, I didn't give up that expense. Same. It's just like, what am I supposed to do? Like, not, you know. Make a playlist? <laughs> exactly. And I feel like I tie it to, like, commuting and to exercising and right. to all of the, you know, so many. Yeah, goddamn. But I also haven't, you know, spent money on a CD in a while. Yeah, I can't, can't remember the last time I spent money on a CD. Although my friend said that she was in Amoeba Records yesterday. and I was in Amoeba Records yesterday. Stop. Yeah. And that it was like bustling. And it felt really good to see that. Yeah. To see so many people buying buying music that they could hold in their hands. It might make a resurgence. Yeah. I like it. We were waiting for, um, we were waiting for our to-go box at Sugarfish to be done. God, I hate myself. And so we went to Amoeba to uh, pass the time. And I really wanted to get the Smashing Pumpkins shirt. I also really wanted to buy a few DVDs um, because, as you possibly know, I love DVDs. I love the sensation of opening up a DVD case and popping out that disc and putting that disc in a DVD player. I really like your enunciation right now. Yeah. Popping out that disc and putting it in the DVD player. Are you guys getting those ASMR tingles? Are you? Hey, guys. How do you feel? So anyway, the episode starts with uh, the reveal that these two cheesy... Wait a minute. Jane has a theory. I had to... I was going to brush over that because I'm actually really afraid of nuclear war, but go on. Wait, what? (laughs) I thought she was talking about... Wait, were we listening to different things? She had a theory about how puppets make everything more funny... And well, I'm right. here to say, no, puppets make things less funny. Jeff Dunham? I don't know who that is, which is probably proves your point. Yeah. But uh, no, but what I was going to say is that um, she's trying to make that point. And then the example that Daria gives her to test her theory is like, okay, what about a plane crash into a nuclear power plant? Oof. Which I know is different from nuclear war. This but... is pre-9-11, huh? Oh, yeah. The whole show is, isn't it? Very yeah, it has a very pre nine eleven vibe. Yeah, there's a lot of like joking about like um, school security. It was also pre Columbine and like most of the you know notorious shoot school shootings. Oh wait, was Columbine ninety nine? Columbine was when I was in fourth grade because I oh, got okay. I got a detention for making a like toy gun out of connects and me and my friend running around this running around the classroom like pretending to shoot each other we got uh detention because it was like two days Shit. after columbine we had no idea like we we're like what are you talking about lady we don't know what that is we're we in don't fourth know. grade 
yeah, we had a kid in our. I had a kid in my home run. I had a kid in my home room. Home run. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> always got a brain on the game. And yeah, always. <laughs> this is just a uh, classic butchlora. Um, but the kid in homeroom who had a hit list of people at the school. So you yeah. sure it just wasn't people you wanted to kiss? I don't know. It was usually accompanied with some pretty dark poetry. Okay, but, fair enough. So maybe, maybe you have yeah. a point. But uh, also, I, don't, I mean, the plane crash into the nuclear plant thing uh, made me think of this incredibly inappropriate cartoon strip I saw once where it was like survivors of a plane crash on a desert island and the man was proposing to his girlfriend and the way he proposed was by like arranging the dead bodies in the letters of will you marry me oh my god on the side of a hillside it was a cartoon strip and then i I actually can't even remember the punchline it was something that she said she was like Oh, Todd, not now or something like that. <laughs> oh, God. But that's what flashed into my mind when um in this initial thing. Of and like, I bet his editor was like, too soon, dude. And he's like, no, this is going to kill. Wait, what editor? The editor of whatever like newspaper or whatever this comic strip was oh, in. Oh, yeah, maybe. I don't, yeah. But it, yeah, just Jane's whole thing of like, I can make anything funny. It feels right. very like uh more innocent times. Right, totally. But then there are the two cheesy... Radio DJs. Yeah. Metal in the Morning, Mental Z93. I mean, this is like classic, like gross, misogynistic male morning shows like The Woody Show or Man Cow. I actually worked in Chicago. I worked at 97 One The Drive, but that was more classic rock. So they were classier. However, I just feel like there's no misogyny quite like morning male DJ misogyny. Like, have you ever listened to those shows? They're like, we're going to have someone call in and you're going to tell us if you think she's fat or not based on her voice. Like, it is... Oh, oh, sorry, like, I didn't mean to laugh. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, Jesus. No, I was just laughing at how quickly you had that example. Yeah. that Like, that's something that is they... Is that a real thing? Yes. If you ever listen to 98.7 in the morning, the Woody show... That's like something that they do. And then they say to the they say to the caller, like, all right, now let us know. Like, were we right? Are you fat? Yes. What the fuck? Do you fuck? know how many Ubers I've had to take in the morning because I don't have a car? And the driver is listening to 98.7, like laughing along. And I'm like, this is a grotesque. Mm. Yeah. Also, I I recently became aware of that Ryan's Roses show. Not aware. Ryan Seacrest does. Where is it like Oprah's favorite things? No, it's really fucked up. It's it's a person will call in who suspects that their significant other is cheating on them, and the show will call the significant other and be like, Hey, like we're um we're oh. a new flower shop that just opened in your town. We're just doing a promotion to let you know about us and hope that you'll be, you know, a customer in the future. And just wondering, you know, we have like a, a free dozen roses that we can send in your, in your name. Like all we need from you is the name and where it should go. And then based on, as soon as the person says who they want to send the roses to, it's like, suddenly it's like, what the fuck? You know, then like the the girlfriend chimes in and it's really painful. That 
is insanely painful. Radio is a is a hellscape. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. God. But yeah, it's really confirmed by this episode. Completely. And it's- of course, Ms. Lee is psyched because the school's getting a fee for like having these radio peeps here. Right. And it seems like it's gonna they're gonna be there for like the entire week. Like it, it it's not just a one time thing. And then at the Morgendorfers, it's Taco Tuesday. Yeah, let's have a break from lasagna, which you have every single night. Mm-hmm. And Jake is feeling it. He's feeling the guac. He's feeling the cheese. Maybe a little bit too much of each. Uh, Helen's kind of uh, not present because she's talking to Eric, and she's always a little flirty with Eric tonally. Yeah, over the phone. you know, when upon this rewatch, I was always confused because I always thought that Eric was her assistant. And now it makes me feel like Eric is her boss. I don't know. Like, she's just so always readily available for him specifically. And a lot of, like, her workaholicness is very much channeled in, like, whenever what she brings home is, like, talking to Eric. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's confusing. She snapped to attention when um, basically Jake collapses. And he suffers a mild heart attack. So, sorry to make it. Uh, sorry to bring it to such a dark place, but just yeah. what happened. So then they're at the hospital, and the doctor, in more or less words, kind of says, "Like, is there anything at home that would make him stressed out?" And all the ladies look at each other, like, "Oopsie, <laughs> it might be us women." Am I right? <laughs> right. <laughs> just. <laughs> You know how I say right after, like, everything you say? I realize that... I didn't know that, but I'm going to totally take advantage of that now. (laughs) Just three thorns in his side, causing him deep anxiety, leading him to medical conditions. But, you know, sorry for Jake, a fourth shrew is about to come back in his life in the form of his mother. But But he wants her to be there. He's like quite literally asking for his mother. And so we get a little bit of background about Grandma Ruth uh, while Daria is talking about her to Jane. And she says, like, Grandma Ruth just kind of seems like a bitch, to be honest. And um, as they're walking by having this conversation, Spatula Man, who is one of the the radio personalities, uh, is asking, where do you get mental in the morning? And so Daria's whole like arc of this episode with these guys is just like, leave me the fuck alone. And they're like characters from like Halloween Horror Nights. They know that she doesn't want to be talked to. And so they're literally, you know, targeting her. You know? The cat who will, like, fixate on the one person in the room who hates cats. Totally. And, like, rub up against them. Yeah, or who's allergic to cats. That's more my situation. So then we get back to the house, and Quinn has decided that she wants to be a cardiologist, apparently, because if it happens again, she wants to save her dad. And so she started wearing a stethoscope. Which is really kind of sweet. It's sweet, but also not very realistic. I don't know. I'm going to be... I know I'm not usually te- hard like Team Quinn, but I was pretty into this uh, pivot from her, especially that part where you see that she doesn't care about the phone ringing. But that was only while Jake was sick. Like no, it was know, conditional. But, okay, but we're jumping ahead of ourselves. I'm just saying that 
I liked that, you know, she had this protective impulse to want to better herself to help, like, protect him in the in the future if it were to happen mm. again. See, I thought it was more kind of insulting that she thought that she could just become that so easily when people spend, like, a decade going to school to be qualified for it. Does that I make mean, sense? Everything about her is kind of insulting. <laughs> Let's talk about the t-shirt. If we're going to pick and choose. Yeah. Um, and speaking of insulting, Grandma Ruth. Who, by the way, is she one of the only characters who has such a, like, a re- like a lifelike face? Like, she had, like, whites in her eyes. She, like, looked kind of like she was drawn by, like, a completely different artist than everyone who seemed... Who, you know how, like, all the characters in the show kind of seemed just, like, very, like, one-dimensional, you know? Mm-hmm. She looked like someone drew a real person. Huh, I didn't notice that, but maybe that's, like, the artistic way of conveying, like, um, plastic surgery or something. Ooh, maybe, yeah. But she, you know, immediately you gather that the things that she values and is immediately commenting on Helen's decorating skills or lack thereof, commenting on Quinn's beauty and Daria's lack thereof, and just like immediately babying Jake in a super gross enabling way. Yeah, it's clear that Grandma Ruth wants the women to be domesticated and the men, the man to be tended after, basically. And uh, then we back at school for literally a brief second because it's during Mr. O'Neill's class and you can hear the metal guys uh, saying, Now next, we say 101 words that we have for sex. And all the kids are stoked and start cheering. (laughs) Yeah. Ugh, and then the fucking love match for Upchuck. Oh, yeah. They start trying to... I don't even know what you would call that. They're, like, doing kind of, like, this little, like, promo competition where if you agree to go on a date with Upchuck, you get a free bumper sticker. My favorite line from Daria was, think about how that bumper sticker feels. Right. And it, and it's one of those things where, of course, everyone is appropriately grossed out at the idea of going on a date with Upchuck, including Sandy and the and Tiffany, um, but which normally would provide an opportunity in a show or movie to like humanize in some level the person who's being humiliated. But Upchuck is so reprehensible that even in this situation, he doesn't have any shame or any sort of awareness that he's being like universally rebuffed. And yeah. he's just like, hey, come on, ladies type thing. I don't think Upchuck knows what consent is. No, certainly not. And honestly, I think uh, there's a, a bigger Upchuck in many uh, in our uh, in our war- world. Maybe there's more Upchucks than I realized. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but... Uh, have you finished the Stranger Things season two? I have. Uh, no spoilers, but I feel like the more humanizing version of that was in the finale of the second season of what happens with the, at the dance with Dustin. Oh. Yeah, we won't say any more than that, but oh my gosh, crushing. I, I teared up over that. Yeah, that was tough. Again, Upchuck up just, uh... 
just he's just the the, the worst. Truly the worst. Yeah. So back at home, it's established that Helen doesn't know how to cook. Um, Quinn is... According to Grandma Ruth, but also kind of according to Yeah, she doesn't know the difference between chicken and fish. Um, Quinn picks up a book on advanced cardiology, and Jake is like this tiny little man boy who is being worshipped by his mother. And while this was happening, I was interested. I was like, oh, I wonder if they're going to talk about like his dad at all, because his dad is such a source of his entire, like Jake's entire anger, which is also kind of like his entire persona. And oh, we get there. Oh yeah. We get the confrontation between grandma Ruth and Jake about his dad. Um, where at first she doesn't believe it. Like Jake is like, yeah, because expressing any emotion would have required him to have a soul. And his mom is like, I don't believe what you're saying to me. But then it turns a corner where they both are kind of bonding on the fact that his father, her husband, never really wanted them to be these do these things that he couldn't do. So he just constantly pointed out things that they did wrong. A lot mm-hmm. of projection. Yeah. Projection. I think that the point you just made was really spot on. And I was wondering if you've ever considered going into family therapy. You know, I've actually thought about that before. And I feel like if writing doesn't work out, I will probably pursue something in the therapy realm. That's really interesting. Because that, that also is my backup plan as a career. We should start a practice. Mm. And we should call it Sick or Sadder World. Yeah, we should call it Heal Your Sick or Sadder World. Yeah. Or Healthier, Happier World. Mm. That could be the name of it. Yeah. HHW. So Helen is trying to overcompensate um, and get into things that she's just not into, like decorating and cooking, in order to prove that she is a certain type of female to her mother-in-law. So she's putting up some drapes, and then uh, Quinn is playing Operation to practice for her future in medicine. (laughs) Daria does the eventual call-out where she tells Grandma Ruth that she's just pushing, you know, Quinn and Helen into these roles um, because she wants to model it after her own. However, she was hearing the fact that Grandma Ruth was having regrets about how she lived her life. So it's like she's just trying to like recreate her life through these other two women while also recognizing that she, you know, has some regrets and made some mistakes. And so that makes Grandma Ruth leave. Yeah, Daria killed it. And isn't that just so common, the whole thing of like someone wanting to feel like their entire existence has been justified? Yeah. yeah. By like seeing other, seeing their children um, make the same choices. It's, it's a classic. The psycho, <laughs> not just not to pull a Quinn, but I feel like knowing that both of our backup careers therapy, I feel a little bit like an expert. Yeah. And right now, I'm saying that uh, that's some pretty transparent psychology right there. Yeah, I mean, I think that that is the foundation of what our practice will be, which is you know that basic family knowledge of projection. Can't wait to see what our therapy version of the butch off is going to be. Just seeing how many people we can make cry. Cry. 
That's what I was thinking too. And like, well, you know, I had eight breakthroughs today. We wouldn't at all, um, you know, we, we would respect confidentiality, but we would just definitely have like a, a little ticker that we keep, like how many people cried, how yeah. many people like forgave their family of origin, like, how right. many, you know, like, <laughs> all right. Uh, the few, the few how many right. people returned to the womb, you know, damn. Yeah. Oh, okay. I see, I see. But there's this sweet moment that Jake has with, with Daria where he asks how he's doing as a father because it's kind of his – I feel like when you have a shitty parent, I feel like it could go either way. You either do the exact same thing to your kid because it's how you were raised or you do a 180 and you do the exact opposite, which is making sure that you never make your child feel that way. And what we get from this whole episode is that Jake and we and we see that like Jake isn't a shitty dad. You know, he's like certainly immature, but he's very supportive of his children. He's never said anything, you know, mean or offensive to his children. He's always supported them, even if it's like blind support. But he had said that, you know, his dad used to always point out all the things that he did wrong. So he never wanted his kids to make, you know, to feel that way. And I thought that, that was quite sweet. Yeah, it was nice that he had a, a, that sort of revelation given how, um, like, needy he was in most of the episode. And, right. like, really conveying his, his lesser nature, which I think is fair because I think sometimes when, especially as adults, when we're around parental figures, sometimes I think it brings out, it's like we get trapped in certain dynamics of behavior with them where, like, it can bring out an immaturity in us that only comes out in that dynamic. Mm. So yeah, I was proud of him for that. Yeah. And then uh, there was a lot of kind of like breakthrough hero moments in this episode. There was the one you already talked about with Daria versus Grandma Ruth. There was Jake's revelation. And then there was Daria finally kind of having her way, telling off the radio DJs in this manner. A few days ago, my father had a heart attack, forcing me to admit his mortality to myself for the first time. Accepting this grim new knowledge has been especially difficult, as I've been under constant yammering assault by two utterly brainless and talentless so-called radio personalities. And so for these reasons, I, Daria Morgendorfer, am mental in the morning. Good stuff. But then everything goes back to normal. You know, Jake is Jake believes that he's better than his father because his father was dead at his age, um, which is an interesting, morbid thing. But then uh, Helen goes back to being a workaholic. You know, Quinn goes back to not caring about cardiology. And uh, Daria's back in the pizza place with Jane. And something kind of kooky happened. Yeah, we uh, were watching this episode just before we recorded tonight, and I had like a late lunch, and so it was a little peckish. And uh, when I saw Jane and Daria eating that sweet, sweet treat of a melty cartoon pizza slice, piece of pie, I uh, wanted some. I mentioned it to Brittany. She said, "You guess what? Guess what I have in the freezer? Totino's Pizza Party. Because earlier I went to Vaughn's, and I was like, you know what? I'll get a dollar fifty frozen pizza. Why not be garbage? And so then, as the episode was wrapping up, I started chanting "Party pizza, party pizza." And then suddenly, one of the DJs on the show goes 
party pizza people. Yeah, it was like nothing I've ever felt before. I'm not saying that um, the universe is running through me, but... We're running through the universe. I'm not not saying that. <sighs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Sicker Sadder World. We are on Twitter at Sicker Sadder. We have a Patreon. If um, you like what you hear and would like to support us a little, we would love you. And it's at patreon.com slash Sicker Sadder World. We also have a website, sickersatterworld.com. And also, you know, if you you have like a spare five minutes and you want to leave us a review on iTunes, you know, we wouldn't hate it. But, you know, the choice is yours. I don't want to be your father. But I would like to be your daddy. <laughs> <laughs>